Welcome to Business Unfiltered, where we dive into the raw and unfiltered world of running a business with Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Grab a seat for this unfiltered journey into the world of entrepreneurship. This is Business Unfiltered. Welcome back to Business Unfiltered. Jeff Sauer here and joined as always by Mercer. And today we are going to talk about roles versus job descriptions. And I'm really excited about this one because a lot of people might think they're the exact same thing, the role that somebody plays in an organization and a job description and just people in general. But I have a little bit of an opinion on it that that might be different than what you heard. And I want to hear what Mercer thinks as well. So let's start off, Mercer, by defining the topic. When I say roles versus job descriptions, what comes to mind for you and what's your experience with that? Oh, this is a good one. I'm kind of looking forward to this and, and how you're thinking about it. Because I, I, when, I went, when I do org charts, I try to not focus so much on the people, but on the roles that that person is solving. And so I build like an org chart by my roles. So like um, a role might be a project manager, a role might be sales, a role might be, you know, marketing, a role might be finance, you know, the, the things that the people are doing for me. Um, the job description, that's, that's an interesting one, because when I'm hiring, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, well, a job description that describes that role, therefore, they are kind of connected, but it sounds like you've got a different way of, of looking at that. Yeah, so maybe we wrote this down in a way that 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 uh, confused ourselves, but I agree with you. So uh, roles are like a thing on an org chart, right? And so one of the biggest piece of advice pieces of advice I have for anybody out there is to separate the person from the role, right? So a person is an individual with talents, and a role is what you want them to get done, right? And then there's this other thing of the job description as to describing what you want in the role, and so. These three things come in, come together, and and it really, um, as you evolve in business, you can't really surround yourself with with super talented people and ha not give them a specific role that other organizations define. And so, I think a uh, you know, the funny thing is, roles versus job descriptions. I might just make the call right now that we're going to rename this one, and we're going to call it roles versus the person. Okay, so it's really roles versus people that the versus is, and and that makes it a little bit different. Um, that makes it a little bit different what we're going to talk about. So we're calling an audible as we go along. You're going to see how this thing goes because a role versus job description is probably a, a two-minute answer versus roles versus people is going to be a much longer and in-depth conversation. So we're going to make that call right now and you're going to see how it goes and how the sausage is made. So roles versus people, again, Mercer just talked about it. As your company fills out an org chart, you want to say what the role is, not necessarily the person. And then as your company grows, Maybe a person who who fulfilled a role previously then makes it into your org chart, or maybe there's some adjustments that need to happen, right? So your company needs to hire versus on a role based on a role versus a person. So we'll get into some specific examples of that as we go along. But this is really about roles versus the people who are in that role. Does that make sense to you, Mercer? Are you good at that change? Yeah, that makes it that makes a ton of sense because I, I think about that too, like especially when I'm doing org charts, because in the back in the day when I was first starting to to do this stuff, I would put the person in there, be like, oh, I got this person you can do these things, and this person you could do these things, and this person you could do these things. And it's, especially when you're a smaller business, you might have one person who can do three or four different roles. But yep. then the org chart looks smaller because you're like, oh, I've got four people, therefore four pieces. Uh, but you you really can't see your business that way. And that's where I realized, like, I've got to flip this to more of like, what are the actual operational roles that are uh, being put together in order to create this business? Yes. And then it's finding, okay, how do I best 
solve that role, right? Which sometimes isn't even uh, a person. Sometimes that role could be solved by software, right? Or, yeah. or some other, you know, SaaS or something like that, or uh, a vendor, you know, that might fill, fulfill a certain role, like bookkeepers. We've talked about bookkeepers in the past episodes and a bookkeeper would be an example of like, we need this role, but it doesn't necessarily mean I need a person I have to hire for it. I could just hire a company or a vendor. Yep. So, <clears throat> Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I've been talking about this in the, in the Profit Pillars program, but basically, the idea here is I call it the minimum viable resource. And so when you when you're starting out and you might be able to make one hire, save up all your all your money or or invest in the business and, and have some uncertainty, I'm hiring somebody to get these things done. You sort of want a unicorn. You want somebody who can do a bunch of stuff. You want somebody who's like your pseudo graphic designer, somebody who can edit videos, somebody who can, you know, this is in our particular business, somebody who can write up the description, somebody who can do all kinds of different things. And you want that unicorn who can take on many roles because you basically have a limited amount of resources and, and you want, you want to be resourceful. And you can, if you get one hire, you want somebody who's a unicorn. And then as a company grows, like as my agency grew, those people got disenfranchised or didn't really have a place in the organization unless they adjusted to the role they were playing because there was enough work in an individual area where we wanted to be specialized, we wanted to be good, and we wanted to be solid in those different areas, right? And so by talk, by separating the person from the role, which is a really good concept to, to understand, when you separate the person from the role and you try to get into an org chart, which an organizational chart is sort of a accepted way of structuring a company. It's been done for hundreds of years and it's a common language. It's like a Rosetta Stone between this business and that business. There are roles that every business needs. You need somebody to make the money. You need somebody to create and establish the market size so you can make the money. You need somebody to keep track of the money, finance. You need somebody to make sure that you deliver on what you promised you're going to do, operations. And at the very least, you need those things. Sometimes you need a product person, depending on your business. Sometimes you need executives, visionaries, and so on. But ultimately, an org chart has these different roles. And then in order to accomplish the role of making money, you need to have people who are salespeople on the calls. You need to have these various different roles fulfilled underneath that, right? So basically separating the person from the role allows you to put a business structure that's been proven by every MBA program out there, by every successful business in the world, and you can put that in place. Versus if you only want to have you know, a certain person, like this person has been with me for a long time, well, what role are they going to play as you expand? They're not going to be great at everything. The jack of all trades, master of none doesn't really fit into a mature organization. So at some point along the way, whether it's the fifth person you work with or the hundredth person, you do need to start separating the people from the roles. And that's that's really what we're getting at here. Does that work? Is that how you look at it as well, Mercer? Yeah, for me, it's all about visibility, right? Yeah. I need to be able to like I can't solve a problem that I can't see. And so part of the reason why I'm I think I'm so systems oriented, right, is is to make sure that if we can make this system visible, then I can improve it. I could fix it if it's not working, right? Or, or make it better or, or optimize it. So for me, if, in terms of, I guess, from a management perspective of the company, you're sort of looking at top down, you can pencil out this, this org chart to say, okay, these are the different roles we're going to need. And with these roles combined, they will produce this certain result, right? It's kind of like what we were describing. The, the org chart is basically the map of how your company performs, right? Mm -hmm. With all these different roles uh, organized. Then it's, okay, how do I, what, what person can fulfill this role? And not every role is full-time, 
right? Going back to that bookkeeper, uh, bookkeeper example, we don't need a full-time bookkeeper. So we hire yeah. a vendor that does that role, uh, which is probably, you know, an hour a month or whatever they, they're uh, spending on it. So it's like, you know, not every single role is a person. And a lot of times the org charts that we'll build out, they'll have all the different roles broken down, but the a person's name might be in three or four different roles currently as a small business, because to your point, in this, when you're starting off in the small business realm, you're always kind of looking for that unicorn. And, and occasionally you might find that person who's just that awesome at things. Um, but generally speaking, I think you do have to bring somebody in who is going to fulfill multiple roles because you're just small. You can't afford, you know, hey, you don't, most of these roles aren't full time. Like we have video editors, right? Uh, but we grew into that, into a full time video editor. We didn't, and, and when I first started, I was the video editor right? I fulfilled that role and I fulfilled the role of content creation and I fulfilled the role of marketing it, um, selling it, right? All that other stuff. So putting it on the website, right? I was the developer. So I fulfilled all those roles. And then what my job was as the entrepreneur, and this is really how I kind of think about why this is so important to, for an entrepreneurs to do is um, when, you, when you've got your org chart there and you've got you as, let's just say it's just you, you're fulfilling all the roles, but at least you can see the roles. Yeah. Some of these roles, you're not going to like doing. Right. Some of these roles are gonna be like, I can do this, but man, I don't really enjoy this. You know, they, they doesn't, it doesn't spark joy, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So it's like, well, now those are the roles that I have to go hire for that I, or find replacements for, I should say. It's not always hiring a person. Sometimes it's hiring a system that can take it over. We're kind of doing that with project management right now. Um, sometimes it's hiring a vendor who just takes it over. Sometimes it's hiring a you know software or something. Sometimes it is hiring a person, but it doesn't even mean it's a full-time person. Could be on Fiverr, could be on Upwork, right? Um, so, But at least I can see the role and go like, oh yeah, this piece I don't like. And then the more that I can I can see it and interact with it, the more I understand it, Right. And what's required for that role so that I can effectively replace it. So, you know, hopefully that makes sense. That's kind of the idea of like this, the org chart, this is why they're so important. They give visibility. It, they're not just there to, for somebody to create and be like, cool, I got an org, org chart. Now what? Like they're the, what is, okay, what roles do you need to replace? Yeah. And then what I'm doing is, is that for the next generation that's coming up, right? So as, as the company hired, you know, we started with digital marketing assistants. They are now, you know, Julie, who started as a, as a digital marketing assistant for us at, you know, 15 bucks an hour back in the day, uh, almost a decade ago now, she's now our director of measurement. Well, as she's grown up through the organization, um, or she's the director of measurement for the, for the measurement marketing IO brand, but as she's grown through the organization, she's needed to do the same thing because she was fulfilling all the roles. And then she would grow out her department with different people, systems and uh, vendors that are helping us to uh, grow her department. So now it's not just me replacing myself, it's her replacing herself. And then ideally, it's somebody underneath her replacing themselves, because that's what's actually pushing up the organization and growing yeah. it. Uh, and being able to see that in an org chart, I think is what's powerful about that. Yeah, I love it. I mean, that's, it's, that's a really important thing to put out there. And you don't realize how many hats you wear in business and how many hats even your team wears until you have some kind of visibility, right? So it's, it's almost like paint by numbers. Every company has to solve these things and every company has a hierarchy. Sometimes you're the entire hierarchy, right? So you, and you also mentioned unicorns, just wanted to address that. Sometimes the only other unicorn you can find is your business partner, right? It's like two unicorns finding each other and having these skill sets. And that's really what can accelerate a business early on. Basically, you're trying to find two people who are willing to do 50 roles for free or cheap. And so that's that's really where 
you know, having a business partner can come in handy, especially at startup phase. But eventually, the way that you do it is once you start making money, whether you figure it out on your own or with a business partner, is that you want to replace, separate yourself from the role. This is what I, I was talking about, the minimum viable resource. So a lot of times, minimum viable resource is hiring somebody on Fiverr to do what you are doing. So if you take an uh, inventory of the 50 things you do every day and the modes you shift between being a tactical video editor or editing this podcast, and then you're talking about doing a five-year plan and the strategy of your business, and then you're talking about managing people, those are three different modes of doing things. And if you're shifting between them, as we talk about, like we talked about deep work and everything like that, you're basically just not very good at any of those things. And you're resentful of it because you're switching between things that are $5 an hour activities and $5,000 an hour activities. And so the easiest thing to do, generally speaking, is to offload the $5 an hour activities. You don't have to think about it. Your minimum viable resource is somebody who's got a gig on Fiverr or Upwork. It says, I'll edit your video. I'll install your GA4 code, right? whatever it is, right? Um, yep. You can have somebody doing that. And then eventually, if you, if you do enough of it, you're going to, instead of having that person be a contract resource, you're going to want to hire, you know, bring somebody in to your company that can do that. But it's a lot easier to recruit for somebody when you say this is the role. It's easier to recruit for somebody who the role is analyst, the role is marketing assistant or associate, right? The, the level and the, and the role they're doing, social media strategist, as opposed to generalist, right? It's really hard right. to hire for a generalist and get it right because most generalists don't really know how to define themselves. So they might not even, you might not even be able to find them. And then also they can't sort themselves into your organization. If you're putting out something saying general marketing person, right? You're going to basically get somebody who has these strengths, who can play these roles, but you're expecting them to do every role when they can only really be good at one or two. So for example, if I do a job posting and I say, I want a market director of marketing and you're responsible for this is actually a pretty well-known job title, but you're responsible for copywriting. You're responsible for measurement. You're responsible for running Facebook ads. You're responsible for writing emails and managing our email system. You're responsible for all these different things, lead generation. Well, how many of those things are they going to be good at? Right. One or two, right? right? They're going to be great at one or two of those things. And then everything else, they're going to ignore it or they're going to need resources. They're going to need a role underneath that. So when you have a role and you separate the person from the role, it allows you to say, okay, well, really, we need five different things. I can't afford five different things. I need to work these two things together and, and have people in multiple seats, for example. And that's where that org chart part comes in as well. Yeah, I've also used the the roles concept in from like a management standpoint too, um, pretty successfully. Where we went down to, and I don't know how we would you know maybe classify this as like roles within roles type of thing, but we went into um, you know working with our our marketing director and saying, okay, what are the roles that not just the the the, the that the company needs from a marketing standpoint, but what are the roles within marketing? And yeah. it was to your point, it was like, oh, there's a copywriter, right? There's the the person who does the automation, who who you know loads stuff into Keep or Infusionsoft or Active Campaign or whatever the thing is that we're using, right? Um, all these different components. So what we did is um, we wanted to improve the results of the marketing department. So we're going through and saying, okay, what are the roles that the marketing department has to do, right? What that it has to provide, and it was all that sort of stuff. Like, okay, I got to write out copy, I got to load up the automation, blah blah blah. And we go and we were listing out everything and it was like 10 or 15 different things. And this is working with, with the market director, right? It wasn't me just dictating it, but we were co-creating this thing. So then as we're looking at it, we're kind of like, all right, way down, the, you know, I sort of basically said, okay, here's, here's the list of stuff that we have. We just did this on a big giant whiteboard. And then we said, okay, where are we spending our time? 
And this was an important insight because we're like, okay, where are you spending your time in on these roles, right? And and I'll give you just a, a, a quick example. One was, oh, we're spending a lot of times in Infusionsoft with all the campaigns and building these campaigns and yada, yada, yada. And yet that's not necessarily what's creating money, right? Like yeah. that's, yes, it's okay to do some of the stuff, but some of the stuff they're doing in Infusionsoft was more like, you know, not, not just efficient. It wasn't asking for sales. It was just doing background campaigns and the things that just really weren't getting things to market, right? So busy, not productive, right? It was important yep. to do, sure, but it wasn't actually producing the results that we need now. So um, was, but yet that's where they're spending their time. Now, way down to the list, one of the other roles that a marketing uh, team has got to produce is offers. And this is what was the enlightening part is you said, well, how much time are you spending on offers? And they're like, well, hardly any because, you know, we don't have time because we've done, we've wasted, well, not wasted their words, but they're, you know, in my opinion, they're wasting their time on this other stuff that's not as important as creating offers, working on offers, right? So what I did is at the top of the whiteboard, I came in, I was like, okay, marketing starts and ends with underscore, right? Underscore. Yeah. And it was like, and I was like, okay, what is the answer to this? And right away, they were all like, uh, offer, obviously, because yeah. that's marketing 101. And I'm like, cool, where are we spending our time? Right, mm -hmm. where, where's the thing that we're least spending our time is the offer. Do we see the disconnect? And that was what I mean by bringing the system visible. Like yep. they didn't know it, I didn't know it, right? Yep. Until I saw it, penciled it out, but I broke it down by roles, which is kind of how it ties into this topic. Because if I didn't break it down by those roles and then ask those questions, because it's not just breaking things down, it's not just important you know your roles, it's important you use them. It's you're using this map to guide the company. So within the marketing department, we saw that, we're like, oh my God, that is so apparent as an error that you cannot not fix it. And it was like yep. the next day, actually yep. it was later that day, we fixed it. And all we did was focus on offers. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, guess what? Paid media starts becoming a little easier. They came back, which was great. He came back and he was like, hey, you know, writing copy is a lot easier now. I'm like, of course it is. Cause you're writing from the offer out yeah. versus trying to take something off the shelf and uh, how do I sell this, right? Uh, which was probably the older way of doing it. So it was like, once we saw that, we unlocked ourselves and we had just gotten, it's, it's almost like if you're going through a maze and you make a wrong turn, but we made the wrong turn 14 steps ago, right? So yep. there's no way we can get out of the maze now. We have to go back and go backwards and fix the error that we made. And if we can't see the map of the maze, if we can't see, in this case, it was the roles that, that helped us to sort of define that, we couldn't back up because we didn't know, we weren't aware of the wrong turn. We knew we made one, we weren't sure where it was or what it was. So we made it visible, saw it, and the second you see it, the brain goes, well, that's an error, yep. let's fix that. And now that's, that's how we did it. We're in a completely different spot now. Um, because of that, you know, and, and it directly relates to this roles. I love it. I mean, this is so it's a that's a masterclass with a specific example of how this works, right? So one, I have a few notes that I wanted to touch on with what you said is like, making an offer, for example, in marketing that we all know, that's the biggest thing we can do yet. We oftentimes don't really want to make a commitment to being wrong. And so we just, you know, we, we, we don't really do the work, we copy other people's stuff, we're like, hey, Mercer said he's doing good on ads. Look, let's look at his ads and then copy his format and see if we can do that. And then you launch your ad. And, and I've actually looked at your ads recently because I've been I get them like every other one. Right. So you're, you started advertising and I see you up there on stage, random acts of marketing like every two minutes. Right. So I went to the thing and I was like, Mercer, definitely they're they are going after specific people. Right. You're, yes. You know who you're going after, which is amazing. Yeah. So you you did the work to create an offer. And that's why the copy is easier because you know who you're going after. Right. And that is ultimately an act of leadership. 
leadership helps keep people keep keep the people on track, right? If you don't do a time audit or whatever, people are busy, but they're not really doing anything productive. Like a time audit ultimately says we need an offer. We know that's the most important thing, but we spend no time doing that. I'm, I'm going through that right now in my company too, Mercer, is that we have a lot, we're busy. We're always doing stuff. And sometimes I make us busy because of my leadership style. Like, Hey, what about this? Right. And then we change yeah. direction and we go into it. Um, you know, and, and it's what way easier if you just say, Hey, here's the goal. You go figure out how to do it. Or here's the goal. I'll help you see, or I'll give you an opinion if we're not going to hit it with that goal. But ultimately all of, you know, marketing's goal is to make either more top of funnel or bottom of funnel, right? It depends on if right. your marketing team is doing sales as well, or if they're doing marketing, marketing, right? If they're marketing, then they do top of funnel. And then they, if they have a sales team, they do, you know, the, then the sales team does bottom of funnel. But a lot of times there is that disconnect as well. That's why sales and marketing in a big organization don't like each other because marketing doesn't really, they, they just do their thing. And then sales does their thing and they don't talk to each other. But leadership's what keeps that on track, right? It keeps you yep. from doing, you know, like big companies, they'll spend, nine months creating a lead magnet. And then the sales team is like, I don't, th this isn't even helpful. Or they'll, they'll optimize towards KPIs like reach impressions and things like that. Yet that doesn't have any impact on the business. So leadership helps you get there. Right. And, and that's obviously leadership is a role and there's people who are better in the role when you lead them or tell them what you expect of them. Right. So, um, but I think that that's one of those things where, just, just auditing time and keeping track of what a role does, it really does help you understand how your organization should unfold, right? So should yeah. it be an organization where, you know, should you be filling out an org chart? Should you be hiring a role when you only, when somebody only does that five hours a week? And then also the thing that I was wondering about is, and this is a question for me and for you, but it's like, how do you fill a role with an employee or a contract when you don't have enough resources to address it individually? So it's like, hey, a marketing person should be doing social posts six times a week. They should be doing um, video on YouTube. They should be doing top of funnel, middle of funnel, end of funnel. You know, there's there's email, there's sales, there's all these different things here. The hard part is you can only afford one of those roles. So then do you go back to the unicorn thing where you try to get somebody to do everything or do you find the one role that actually impacts the thing? Generally speaking, I think the answer is to find the role that makes you money so you can have more money to hire these other roles, right? Yeah. That, that's generally the right move. So in your, if you have a director of marketing who can't write copy or can't, can't do the sales persuasion piece, then you either need to them teach them how to focus on copy persuasion and get that right and then do top of funnel stuff. Or you need to have, or you, you shift your direction to say, I need sales first and then we'll hire somebody to direct the marketing later on, for example. Is that how you see it? Do you, do you start yeah. with like the, what's going to make us enough? You just, I mean, the answer is almost always to make money, right? <laughs> to right. find out how to make more money so we can afford these other things. Yeah, it's like, so you sort of have to stack, stack rank it, right? And say like, okay, here's, here's the things that's the highest probability of success with the least amount of effort. And that's kind of what mm -hmm. I'm going for. Is like, of the thing that I'm trying to rank, I'm going to, I'm going to rank it by those two things, how much effort is required. And then what's the probability of success. Yeah. So if it takes a lot of effort, but it's a high level of success and, and let's make the third thing, it, the amount of success. So let's say I have, it's a uh, pretty, you know, it's going to take a lot of effort, but there's a 90% chance of success and that's going to generate a million dollars in revenue. It's like, okay, all signs good. It's worth it at that point. If it's a lot of work, it's the chance of ability of success is 90% and the revenue is a hundred bucks. 
probably not worth it, right? It's not worth all that effort for such little result. Um, and so we'll we'll kind of think about it like that. And it's also, you know, I, I have to say just to just to um, talk about like going back to that offer thing a little bit. We have I've made mistakes. I'm saying we. Um, it's uh, let's not share the mistakes with mm-hmm. the team. It's my mistake, right? But uh, claim ownership over it. But I I and the the mistake I made with roles as the organization was growing was in the beginning. I had it like marketing and, you know, uh, dev and copywriting or whatever. And I had all those sort of basic roles. What I did not have in the org chart was management, mm-hmm. right? Was that leadership that you were just mentioning. And that's kind of why I wanted to, to bring that up because that was a mistake I made. And so as the person kind of leveled up in the organization, uh, and they and they grew. And this and this is nothing against the the person individually. It's it's just the training issue, right? What we did not have in place was management training to help them understand how to manage a team. Because I'm just going, well, of course they know how. They see me do yep. it, so they're going to model me, right? And it, and again, this is not a that's not a conscious decision, but that subconsciously that's what was going on in my head, I guess. And I'm thinking, well, of course they're going to know this, but why? I'm a business geek. I've been reading pretty, practically any business book that's been out there since you know, I was 12. Like I, I have a very different data set in my head of how to do this stuff. So I, you know, if, if, if I am a better manager than others, and I don't know that I am not claiming that I'm saying, but if I was, it's not because I'm just naturally good at it. Right. It's because I've been reading all this stuff. I've been thinking all those things. I was doing a million podcasts. Right. This is why, because this is my arena. I, I want to try to be better and better at this, right? And I, I cl- cl- clearly make mistakes when it comes to management, uh, but I'm trying to get better at that. And that's why I'm, I'm the management role. If I don't figure out a way to teach that or to get that out, what it could buy somebody else's training program or giving somebody a book, something that helps them to start thinking like that, they're not going to. And that was a miss of the roles when, as we grew an organization because I missed that role of management. Yep. And how not just, okay, it was like, oh, director of blah, blah, blah. But that that was what we called it. But it wasn't, it was a management part yeah. that was missing, you know? Yep. Going back to like the marketing with the offers. The offer part wasn't being focused on, yet that was the core part. On the roles within the directorship, one of the roles is manage people. And that was the part that wasn't trained. So as the companies would go, I would find myself having to, you know, do a little bit more of those conversations. Why is this not quite working? Well, that's why. You know, they don't know the, the to inspect things the way that I inspect things or why I was doing what I was doing because I wasn't teaching on my management strategy. Yeah. So now I kind of go through and work more on the management strategy. We do that with how to manage clients, right? How to manage team members. Um, and that's that's been helping um, quite a bit. So it's another way that you can use roles uh, or that or that we have, um, you know, messed that up, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I think that's but that I think that's important to, to, you know, that's a whole other episode we should do with just the mistakes that we've made as entrepreneurs. Yeah, um, I, like so I think that. you can we, learn the most from those. Yeah, I just made a note that we'll do one on management mistakes, for example. So I really like what you're saying there. And it's definitely something I've had to learn as well. So I, I you know, I got into the, to this business, not wanting to do management because I had such bad taste in my mouth from doing it at my old company and how poorly it was done. And so I tried to be an anti-manager, but you're right. As you fill out an org chart, if you put somebody underneath somebody and you give them a title, then yes, it is implicit <laughs> that that person will be doing management. Um, yep. but, but if your company doesn't define what management is to you, or you don't give somebody the resources or the training to be a manager, then they are a manager in title only. And they're probably going to alienate the people underneath them because they don't really know how to manage people. So the funny thing is, we all try to level up our skills as we get into the tactical part of our organization. So we, we, you and I teach people tactical skills to level up. We also teach 
you know, some business skills like to varying mm -hmm. degrees. And, and that's actually our second wave is teaching people how to be better business owners, how to be more effective in an organization and so on. Um, because that's the graduation method for tactical. You can only get so tactically gifted, right? You can sit on an org chart as an individual contributor, somebody who's just really good at doing the work, the expert at that work. Not everybody wants to do management, but generally speaking, the way up for people, at least in a traditional organization, the only way up is management, right? So if you want to get paid more, you have to manage those different areas of a business, different people. Yet, did you define that? Did you give them the training? You know, in a big organization, they do. I remember my brother got put up the management track at a Fortune 10 company, and they sent they flew him around the US going to different places and doing management seminars. And he had to get his MBA. He had to learn these yeah. different things. A yeah. small business, generally speaking, doesn't really make that level of investment, yet that investment is what's going to keep the, get that person to flourish in their role. So sometimes it's an expense thing, but also if you're willing to pay somebody management or director rates, you should be able to chip, put some chips into the table to pay them or to, to pay for their education to be good in that role. Right. Yeah. It's not like we're saying double your expenses and have by giving somebody a title. The expense is usually in giving them the title. That's where the expense comes from. You have to give them a pay bump as well. The training part is secondary. But we always think that once they get to that, that's the achievement. Manager is the achievement. Director is the achievement. But it's actually just the beginning. That's the table stakes, the title. Now we need to teach them how to be a good one, how to be as good at that as they were tactically, which most organizations don't do, right? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I think, like I said, it's it's the roles within roles that were the most important lesson yeah. that we've learned within this, of breaking that down so that you're aware of like, oh, this is going to need training. This is going to need that. This is going to need yeah. this other thing. And then how are we going to accomplish this? Are they goes And again, it could, it doesn't have to be like a, you know, $400,000 training package. It can just be a book where it's like, yep. let's just cover this book. And we'll just we'll do a little mini book club as you're yeah. helping your managers learn like one minute manager is a great book to get started, you know, something yeah. simple and easy to read, uh, gets a conversation started. So, well, and if you have you know, like an operating system, like we used EOS at my agency Mm -hmm. And that teaches you how they do management. So at least you're not even like really having to like reinventing the wheel on management is a futile thing, right? Unless you have just a, a unique perspective, there's enough frameworks out there. One minute right. manager, EOS, whatever it is that can define what management is. And management isn't as complicated as we think. I mean, the people part can be, but management is ultimately just being very clear with what you expect people to do. And the reason why it, it permeates through an organization is because if you're not good at telling people what you expect them to do early then nobody's going to be good in your organization at telling people what they expect them to do. And you either won't grow because of that, or you, or you're going to be stagnant, or it's something that you need to improve later on in the business. So, okay. So that's all for this thought on roles versus people. The, the, the main thing here is to separate people from the role and then not only separate the people from the role, but also give them the training they need in order to be good at it and be very clear with how that role fits into the organization. If you can't really fill out an org chart, Welcome to the club. Everybody can't fill out an org chart. That's just part of doing things. You have to make decisions. Usually you're going to want to make the decision that helps you um, plow through this level of advancement and make more money or make more of whatever. So you can then make investments elsewhere, right? That's part of growth. So you want to always reinvest in growth first and the eyes on the prize to helping you get more money. Otherwise, you can't even be in the game for the conversation about how am I going to fill out the entire org chart? <laughs> so that's all for this one. Thanks, Mercer, for joining me. And thanks, everybody, for listening and sharing this episode. If you had some breakthroughs, talking to your friends about what you've learned, bringing in your organization and saying, hey, maybe we need to do this. We need to separate people from the role. We need some extra training. 
I'm willing to make that investment because you are the best resource in our business. And thanks again for listening to Business Unfiltered. And I can't wait to talk to you in our next episode. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Business Unfiltered with your hosts, Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and tell a friend what you've learned today. Want to connect? Visit us at businessunfiltered.fm. This has been Business Unfiltered. Always unapologetically honest.